How we doing? Welcome into ACC Tailgate. I'm your host, Will Dalton, a.k.a. Wilburn Gold, wishing you a happy Tuesday. Still getting used to doing these things on the Tuesday-Thursday uh, schedule instead of Monday-Friday, but I'm happy to have you in. Um, i give us a minute for some live viewers to come in and uh, get settled in. FYI, while we wait for some people to come in, uh, so outside of my window, there is some type of big noisy truck going up and down the street i don't know what it is uh i thought it might it sounded almost like one of those snow trucks that comes and salts the road i don't think that's what it is i don't think they're going for snow let me actually check i live in high point north carolina so let me let me see no no snow maybe some sleet or freezing rain i don't know no snow uh so I, again if you hear a big truck outside my window that's what it is. Um, so, yeah. Uh, how's everybody doing? Good week of uh, NFL football, huh? Really, really. Well, I'd say more so the Packers-Buccaneers game was the good football. Uh, I think all of us. You know, as soon as Tom Brady went through that first drive for the Buccaneers and they scored right off the bat, uh and then Aaron Rodgers came down and did the same damn thing on the other end. Well, he didn't do it on the first drive. He did it on the second drive. They had a, I think they had a three and out on the first drive. But the point is, I think after those first couple of drives by each side, it was very obvious we were about to have a very special game on our hands. I mean, get the popcorn out, pop the, I mean, we'll pop whatever favorite beverage you prefer. I mean, buckle up, kids. This was going to be a good one, and it didn't disappoint. Now, there were some questionable things that happened in that game. We'll get to that a little later on uh, as we welcome our first couple of viewers in. Welcome in on a Tuesday. Um, but nah, man, th there were some interesting things that happened that we're going to get to in that uh, Tampa Bay-Green Bay, the Battle of the Bays, uh, Tampa Bay-Green Bay game. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch the Chiefs-Bills game. Uh, I was following it on the ESPN app, you know, the GameCast, but, you know, I was doing something so i wasn't able to watch uh the game on tv but it basically went kind of, eh, i actually expected that game to be a little bit better than it was i didn't expect it to be as lopsided as it was um i mean listen i remember when i watched the bills and the texans go at it in the wild card game from last year i believe it was yeah that's right it was a wild card game um i just remember that so we welcome our first viewers. Got a comment in here. The game started out. Spartan Barton. We got to have our first comment. This game started out like a blowout. Brady tried to let the Packers come back and win. Yeah, I thought he might. Um, again, I don't want to. I don't want to get into it yet because uh, we're going to get into it a little later on uh, some of the thoughts that I had on some of the things that took place uh, on both sides of the ball. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But you are right. I thought. Uh, I thought the Packers might come back and get them. I really, really did. And the opportunities were there, and I think uh, most of us know what those opportunities were. So, again, we'll get into that here shortly. Don't go anywhere uh, on that one. And then, yeah, it looked like the momentum was too much for Allen. Yeah, I mean, again, I didn't watch it on TV, so I couldn't visually tell you, but just based on what I saw uh, on the ESPN app, you know, watching the game cast, I mean, I, I – 
when it's 31 to 15, obviously I'm like, okay, yeah, typical. Now I will say this at first, I'm like, all right, the bills started out ahead. I think they got up to nine, nothing, but we've seen this over and over with the chiefs, especially in the playoffs, you know, when that game could have been 14 to nothing. And it was like, just, just, just say when, just say when, and we'll, we'll get this, the chiefs will get this thing going. And ultimately they did, but on the Bills side of things, like I, I remember watching the Texans and the Bills last year in the wild card game, and I just thought that the Bills were coming. Josh Allen was coming. And then when they signed Stefan Diggs, I'm like, yep, there it is. That's that's the move that's going to put him even further up. Here's the issue. The Bills were so good this year. They were so much fun to watch this year. Josh Allen was so much fun to watch this this year. Um, I think he's gonna have he's going to have something to say about the MVP conversation going forward. Uh, as he continues to mature and get better. I mean, the Bills are on a very nice trajectory. Josh Allen's on a very nice trajectory. They went to the wild card game, lost a close tight one to the to the then pretty good Houston Texans, and then it just fell apart from there for the Texans. But I remember I, I posted on my Instagram right after that game, just a little summary of the game, uh, and I just remember saying Josh Allen is like, He's getting close. You know, he's getting very close. And then he, we saw what he did this year. And they're on a nice trajectory. They went from the wild card game all the way to the AFC title game this year. Here's the problem. There's this team down in Kansas City with this quarterback that we've heard a lot of people in the NFL world and the sports world over the weekend call the Steph Curry of the NFL and the Golden State Warriors in the NFL. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Here's the that's the issue going forward for the Buffalo Bills because other than that they're there, they're there. I mean, but the 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 I about called them the Warriors because that's essentially what they are in the NFL. Again, the Chiefs are just too good. Mahomes is just too good. Like that is going to be the issue. And I've actually you know I got a couple of friends uh, that are Bills fans, and that's what I told them over the weekend. Uh, that's going to be their that's going to be their roadblock. Moving forward, it's the it's the Chiefs. That's it. Other than that, they're good enough. They're they're good enough to contend for a Super Bowl. But until they get past the Chiefs, uh, I I don't I don't see. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's the Chiefs. That's it. I mean, now here's what's going to be interesting going forward, and I'm curious to see how this works out because much like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA the sports world around you, you know, that was the NBA. This is the NFL. The NBA adapted and adjusted to the Warriors. We saw more teams trying to make moves kind of like the Warriors. Now there is no Warriors anymore. Not quite like that. I mean, when you put KD on what was already a ridiculously good team, a record setting team, it's a dynasty. It's a juggernaut. Like, you don't have any of that in the NBA now because it's the talent's more spread out now, but the, the league adapted, the league adjusted. And so, you know, the Warriors ain't what they used to be. I mean, KD's in Brooklyn now, and obviously Clay Thompson's out. I'm I'm getting a little NBA heady now, but the point is at first, what was a juggernaut and what was a dynasty that was just like, I mean, we literally went into the season. Like, I mean, all these other teams are good. There's going to be a lot of uh, good stories about who's going to face the Warriors, but then at the end of the day, we know what's going to happen, except for 2016 when the 
Cavs and LeBron, uh, you know, pulled that three-one comeback off. That that will forever be my favorite run uh, of all time. That 2016 Cavs team outside. I mean, because the Hornets, the Hornets, we ain't got no runs yet. So hopefully, Lamelo Ball changed that. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, man, like the league adapted, the league adjusted, and so now. You know, the the power is more up for grabs now. It's more even. I mean, the Lakers are good. The Nets are good. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the league adapts because obviously moving forward, we assume the Chiefs are the next dynasty. You know, it was the Patriots for the last 20 years. We assume now it's going to be the Chiefs moving forward. You know, what? There, there's no... I mean, obviously, there's good teams. I mean, Tampa Bay may very well go out and beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I'm not like it, but for the most part, we expect the Chiefs to be the dynasty over the next decade. We expect Patrick Mahomes to be the quarterback over the next decade, and you know, give. I think he's going to give Tom Tom Brady a very good run for the goat conversation when it's all said and done. Because as good as Tom Brady is, and he is, we saw that yet again this weekend. As good as he is. He ain't very athletic. Think about that. He he's been able to accomplish everything he's accomplished, and he ain't that athletic. He's a very smart dude, very good football IQ. I mean, he he's taken supreme care of his body to be doing what he's doing at his age, no doubt. Good underrated arm, I might say. I think, but as far as He's just a smart, good football player, good quarterback, but he ain't athletic. He ain't Patrick Mahomes on that, never was. So now you take Patrick Mahomes with his athletic ability, his arm ability, his mental IQ for the game ability, and then obviously Andy Reid and everything else around him, which you know we'll see how the team changes over the years. But for the most part, he's going to have a good team and a good coach around him for the, the near future. I just don't see any way that Mahomes couldn't give Brady an easy run for the money at that. Because, again, Brady ain't that athletic, and he's been able to do what he's done. Now, Mahomes, you put a ridiculously good athlete in the equation? It's going to get interesting, I'm telling you. So, um, let me actually... I actually just kind of did a segment on its own. I didn't plan to go that deep into that, but... But yeah, that that is going to be the roadblock for the for the Bills moving forward is the Chiefs. That's it. That's it. So, um, let me start here. As far as what I had planned for the show today, not what I was just rambling on. Um, I told y'all not to sleep on FSU. I told y'all not to do it. Now, if you're new to the show, you didn't hear that. You know, or, you know, a while back when, right before the uh, college basketball season started, the rankings came out. I told y'all not to sleep on FSU, and I told y'all that I would tell you so. No, no, granted, it's still, you know, we're about halfway ish through the season, so a lot could happen. But just based on what we've seen out of FSU, they're seven and two. They just upset Clemson the other day. One beat them by ten. Clemson was number twenty on the road at Clemson's place. I think actually I could be wrong on that. Luckily I have it up. Let's see here. So no, that was at FSU. Yeah, that was at FSU. 
Um, Florida State actually won. I'm sorry, not by 10. They won by 19. So I told y'all, I told y'all, I tried to warn you. Um, and so now here, here actually is your rankings now. So FSU wasn't ranked at the time and now the new rankings, um, uh, for college basketball, AP top 25 is out. So now you've got UVA at number eight, FSU jumped all the way from not being ranked at all into the almost middle of the pack at number 16. You got Virginia Tech at 20. Louisville enters the conversation at 25, the last team in. Obviously, which is so weird to see and, you know, kind of frustrating for me as a Carolina fan. No Carolina, no Duke in there. Uh, No Kentucky in there, I don't think, either, which is obviously weird in itself, even though we don't really get into SEC, especially on the basketball side. That's more if we do. It's on the football conversation for obvious reasons. But, yeah. FSU started the year ranked. FSU started the year ranked number 23 in the first preseason poll, I think it was. And I told you in the first segment I did, kind of going over all the AC teams, ACC teams that were sprinkled in the top 25, I told you this is way too low for FSU. Way too low. Because I personally think they're now there's a lot of I will say this. There's a lot of FSU fans that disagree with me, which maybe I should take that into consideration since they're fans, but this is just my own opinion, and I feel strongly about it. FSU was good last year, obviously. They won the regular season championship in the ACC. They were handed the ACC tournament trophy, I mean, because COVID hit, and they were the top-ranked seed, so that was that. But, and they would have been, they would have been a force to be reckoned with had we gotten to the NCAA tournament last year. And I think that this year's FSU team is better. Not a lot better, but I think they're a little bit better than they were last year. And I told you guys that number 23, uh, that number 23 ranking that they started with was a bit low. And I told you guys that we'll have a conversation probably in February. It's late January now. So we got a little ways to go see what happens. But at the moment, now they're up to 16. Because people are starting to figure it out. I'm telling you. I told y'all not to sleep on FSU. I don't even know why I'm getting excited about this. Because I'm a Carolina fan. And I think Carolina's actually going to enter the conversation too. Uh, I think I was kind of surprised that they didn't get into the top 25. Because they've been picking it up here as of late. Uh, I think they'll get into that conversation. But whatever. I told y'all not to sleep on FSU. Damn it. So let's move on to this. We'll stick, it, we'll stick around in ACC basketball land for a minute. A little bit more, uh, I don't know if I call it a serious subject, but something I kind of feel strongly about. So we've all seen, and if you haven't, I'm going to play it for you. Uh, that video of Coach K going after, podcast listeners, I did the air quotes over going after a student reporter, I guess, for Duke. Um that got a lot of flack. It was two games ago when uh, Duke lost to Pitt. Duke is not having, and it pleasures my heart to say this as a Carolina fan, Duke is not having a good season. They're having the first losing season that I think they've had in my lifetime. I can't think of any others. Uh, 
It just seemed, you know, every year Duke is good. Every year Duke adapts. Every year Duke brings in a fresh crop of very good players, and they're one of the best teams in the country every stinking year since I was in elementary school, and I would get upset because Carolina would be very good, and then they would turn over their players. They weren't as good, and Duke, for some reason, would still be good. I'm sorry I'm getting upset, but damn it, it would it would get on my nerves a little bit. In third grade, just saying. Um, so yeah, this is long story short. Is it hot in here? Long story short, this is one of the few losing seasons that Duke has had in my lifetime. They're five and seven. They've lost three straight at this point. Um, or at least they had lost three straight at the time of. Uh, that game with Pitt, you know, the video coming out and everything of, you know, that him again, air quotes, podcast listeners that can't see me going after a student reporter in the post game press conference. Uh, and so I wanted to get into that for a minute because I spent a good amount of time in those post game press conferences. Now, granted, they weren't virtual when I was doing them last year. I was in there at Cameron in the conference room. Kay would come in, we'd do it, uh, but then obviously that was before COVID hit. So, so I, I've I've done, I've I've seen it, I've seen it, I've been in the room. So I've I don't understand the flack. Now, granted, there's a lot of it's split. There's a lot of people that are saying again, air quotes. K is going after that went after the student report. Now, since then, uh. Kay did call an apology. Let me just play the video for you guys before I get into it. I'll play it for you real quick. Um, here we go. Hi, Coach. I'm just curious as to what, what the next step forward here is for the team as you guys move into another week of basketball. Yeah, why don't we just evaluate this game? You know, I'm not into what our next step forward is right now. We just finished the hard fought game. Yeah, I don't know if, like, when you, what, what, what's your major? What's your major at Duke? What's your hardest class? Econ. Okay. So say you just had the toughest econ test in the world. And when you walked out, somebody asked you, what's your next step? Uh, you see what I mean? Does that, you have some empathy and, and, you know, just give us time to evaluate this game and then we'll, we'll figure out just like we always try to do. I don't, I don't see what the problem is. I mean, I saw two things in that. I saw, uh, I saw Kay simply telling the reporter what the actual situation was. Like, hey, like, listen, I'm not really thinking about that right now. We need a little time to, you know, kind of get at, get over this and get through this and figure out where we're at now and then move on. So he was just straight up telling the dude what the deal was and in a little bit, because I obviously you saw it in the video, coach K recognized that this was a student reporter, a young uh, reporter. And I almost kind of felt like this was kind of a teaching moment for K to that guy to kind of tell him, like, we're not really thinking, you know, we're not really thinking about that right now. Like 
you know, I mean, he used the example, like if you just failed a, a, a test or if you had something coming up and, and you wanted to take time on that before you focused on what was next week, you would probably take that time. So to me, it was like an honest, just this is what the deal is moment. And it was a little bit of a teaching moment for Kay to kind of show him like, hey, like this is kind of where we're at. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the flack that Kay got for that at all. Now, Kay has since called the dude and apologized, I guess. Uh, well, not I guess. I heard he did. Uh, but I don't get it. I don't get I don't get the I don't get the pushback that K got. And, and I'm a Carolina fan, by the way. Can't stand Duke. Can't stand anything about him. Can't stand their fans. Can't stand Coach K. And in the same sentence, I can tell you I respect the hell out of Coach K. I respect what he stands for. Uh, and he's the GOAT. See, that's I'm able to do that as a Carolina fan, but also as a, just an objective telling it like it is. And I like to think that would give me a certain credibility that maybe some others don't have as like, I can literally say that in the same sentence. Like I respect the hell out of coach K. Like I, I don't actually hate him. I do, but I don't, you know what I mean? Like Carolina fan, come on. I have to, but that dude's the goat. That dude innovates that dude, that dude adapts like nobody else does in the game. And again, like I've seen it up close. And so I got more of a taste, you know, last year at being at those press conferences uh, when I covered Duke, Carolina and NC State basketball, all the teams there in the Raleigh, Chapel Hill, Durham area for the sports radio show that I was interning at. I got to be kind of up close and in the same room with the guy. And I'm telling you, like, he's just a successful guy, like his principles, like his success rituals, his his success habits, the way he carries himself is the way the most successful people on the planet carry themselves. He just happens to be in college basketball, and there's a reason he's as good and as legendary as he is, and he's the GOAT. There's a reason for that. It's the way he carries himself. And so, ouch, I hit my foot. Uh, I, I just don't, I feel like, Because, I mean, he didn't yell at the guy. He wasn't a dick, quite frankly, to the guy. He just was straight up and honest with him. And there are those that, you know, a straight up sense of honesty tends to rub certain people the wrong way these days. We all know that. Uh, And you also have to take this into consideration, and that's why I kind of brought up what I did about the fact that I hate Coach K, but I don't, and I recognize who what he really is because I'm a Carolina fan. And that is because we see this in, in not just in college basketball, not with, not just with Coach K, but we see it with LeBron. We see it with Tom Brady here lately. We see it, especially this week with Aaron Rodgers. You know, we see it. With, we see it with the great ones. Certain people are, whether they're fans of other teams, whether I don't know, they just don't. I don't know. Whatever it may be when these certain players attain the level of success that they do, you know, your LeBrons, your Tom Brady's, your coach K the goats essentially. And they get more like they will take any opportunity they can to get at that person. So right now Duke is having a losing season. The first one they've had. And again, I think in my lifetime, 
They've lost three straight, I think. And so a lot of people will take that and connect it with what Coach K said to that reporter. Even though he didn't say anything wrong, he just said like what the deal was. Uh, and they'll take that, and because it's Coach K, they're going to use that as ammunition to try and, you know, bring K down, which that's just how it is. I mean, we see it with LeBron. We see it with Tom Brady. We see it with Coach K. We just see it. They will use any ammunition that they can get to try and say this dude's a horrible person or this guy's not as good as you thought he was. It's literally that simple. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I just – I don't I don't get it. And I, I guess, and again, I think a big reason why I'm able to see it the way I see it as far as not thinking it's that big of a deal is because I'm actually trying to look at it from the reporter's perspective. Like, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. Now, obviously, that do you understand what a great young – I don't want to say first experience because I don't know the guy. I don't know what he's been up to or how many times he's done this. Do you understand what a great young experience that was for that reporter? Like, he's going to remember that, and he's going to be telling that story the rest of his life when Kay kind of told him what the deal was a little bit. And those are the best experiences, folks, because those experiences that, kind of are a little uncomfortable but they're good experiences those are the if you can get over the fact that that was uncomfortable because that reporter could that reporter could have easily just gone ah screw k you know, he was such a, a jerk to me that this and even though he wasn't a jerk but from the reporter's perspective he was a jerk you know this and that getting upset about what just happened as opposed to letting it soak in experiencing the moment and then moving forward, recognizing that that's a learning moment. Like, and I had some of the, now not with K not with, not to that magnitude, but the host, uh, and, and I may end up bringing him on as a guest at some point, since we were mainly an ACC radio show, uh, the host of the show, David Glenn. I don't know if you know who he is or not. Uh, if you live in North Carolina, you probably do. David Glenn, you know, he's a very – he's got high standards, and that went for his interns as well. And, you know, when we fucked up or didn't do something up to standard, he let us know. You know, it wasn't always comfortable. It wasn't always pleasant, but you learned. if you And, and that was one thing that I really – made it a point to do because I understood that, that I understand this is uncomfortable. I understand that he might not be my favorite person right now because he's kind of letting me have it a little bit. But man, if I can get over that and realize that this is a learning experience and this is here to teach me and mold me, that's actually what that discomfort is there to do is mold me. Man, that's an incredible experience. And, and so I get it. You know, like I under, I understand it. Um, 
that's just that's going to be a great experience for that reporter. So I I know I've I've gone up way longer on this than I planned to, but I just felt so strongly about that because I I, I felt strongly on both sides as far as the reporter and Coach K because Coach K did nothing wrong, point blank. He said nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. He wasn't a jerk to the guy. He just told told it straight up. And from the reporter side of it, God, what an experience to have. I mean, most of those reporters, they're in there. Some of them may not even ask questions. You know, some of them may be too shy to ask questions. Uh, they're not going to get those experiences. They're just there to, you know, hear what Kay has to say and move on, you know, use it, use what they can and move on. But that experience for that reporter, whether he learns from it or not, I don't know. I don't even know who it was. But man, what a story to tell. And he's going to be, again, he's going to remember that for the rest of his damn life. Uh, so, yeah, uh, real quick. I only got about 10 more minutes or so. So uh, I wanted I wanted to get to, uh, and, and plus I told you I would uh, at the beginning of the show, I wanted to get to this Green Bay-Tampa Bay game. Um, so a lot of people are having a field day right now with blaming Aaron Rodgers or blaming Matt LaFleur for Green Bay's loss, you know, a.k.a. I'll just say this. I'll start the segment with this. It's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. It's not Matt LaFleur's fault. It's Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers' fault that the Packers are at home and not going to the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Matt LaFleur, and we all know this. We know exactly where this is going. Matt LaFleur should have never kicked that field goal. Shouldn't have done it. I don't care what anybody says. I have de- I, I had a nice little debate uh, with somebody on TikTok because I, I posted about it. Um, actually, let me get to Spartan Barton's comment. Do I think uh, the blatant jersey pull was a bad call? I assume uh, you're talking about that late call, um, literally late because the referee called it late you know there was a quick pause even Joe Buck was like I was kind of waiting to see if he called it and then there was that little jersey pull do I think that was a bad call the call itself for the actual play that happened no it was a pass interference had things like that been let go the entire freaking game oh yeah even the com Joe Buck and Aikman they even said it like they're letting these guys play like there was a lot of contact all game my thing is be consistent. You know what I mean? Like, if, you're, if you've been letting that go all game for whatever the reason, maybe you're like, just, oh, let's get into it a little bit. Let's, let's, I mean, this is a big game. Let's get into it a little bit. Let's, let's not, you know, let's not call something for breathing too close to the guy. Stick with that the whole way. Make that, you know, it, it's like, um, here's a good way to put that. I'm actually glad you brought this up. Uh, Imagine you change, you know how you can, when you're playing, those of you that play video games, you know that when you play Madden, you can change the difficulty. You can, you know, you got uh, all Madden, all pro, um, rookie or, or easy mode or whatever. You've got different modes. And I guess in those modes, again, obviously the difficulty changes. So you've got certain settings where you can make it, you can have more you know, penalties called, you can have less penalties called. You have those settings. This is no different. You've been the setting, you've been the Madden setting, 
where you're letting calls go. This is the Madden setting where we're not calling as many penalties. We're letting them play. It's getting a little physical. It's getting a little chippy. We're not calling things like that. That's the Madden setting that was on the entirety of the game until that play. He slightly pulled his jersey, and what made it worse, he called it late. We had to pause and wait, and and then the call came. It, it was almost like a double whammy. It's like not only did we completely go the other way with the way we've been calling this entire game, we hesitated to do it. So it was a pass interference, but they hadn't been calling stuff like that the entire game. There was more contact that wasn't called than that play the entire game. So my my whole thing is be consistent and call it. If you're going to call, I mean, don't wait and hesitate and think, uh, I mean, I know what happened. In fact, I mean, from the referee's perspective, he might think, uh, I've kind of let stuff like that go all game. I need to get on my, sh- you know, get on it, get on the ball here. That So what, but be consistent. And if you're going to call it, call it. If you're not, it stands. Um, so back to what I was, my point. Um, Matt LaFleur should never have kicked that field goal. There was two minutes, I don't remember specifically, but there was two minutes and change left. Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. Tom Brady's the other quarterback, by the way. I I didn't actually bring this point up when I was thinking about this when it actually happened the other day. Not only was your quarterback Aaron Rodgers, which means you're more, you should go for this. Tom Brady's the other one. Meaning you should really go for this. Because what's the whole reason you kicked the field goal? Because you're playing it safe. You're keeping it in the, you know, you're staying close. You're still within reach. But you give them the ball back and you try and get a stop and then get it back and take the lead. That's the thinking here. The problem is you had two minutes and change and Tom Brady on the other side. This wasn't just some average quarterback. This was Tom Brady on the other side. He's very good at navigating these type of situations. You have to go safe football, safe anything rarely works. Point blank and simple. I remember I remember the Panthers and the Seahawks uh, were playing in the division. Um the division title in that 2015 Super Bowl run that the Panthers made um five years ago, actually, which is crazy to think about. I remember the Panthers were smacking the Seahawks that game. I think it was in Carolina. It was because the Panthers were 15 and 1 that year. Um Panthers were beating down the Seahawks. And and you you guys remember this because that was back in the days of the Legion of Boom and the Seahawks and the Panthers were a little bit of a rivalry, kind of sorta. And I mean again, the Panthers were just beating the crap out of the Seahawks all game. So halftime happens. And then the Panthers, instead of playing to win, they started playing not to lose. They started getting a little defensive. They started playing a little passive. And the Seahawks started to make a comeback. Now, the Panthers ultimately won the game because they were up by so much, and then they kind of turned it around. But the point is, playing not to lose will never be better than playing to win and playing aggressive, and being on the offense, not the defense. And when you've got Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, and you've got two minutes and change to work with, and the chips are on the table, it's the NFC title game. Aaron Rodgers needs this for his legacy, by the way. 
to get at least get to the Super Bowl. We'll talk about winning it next week. And you've got Tom Brady on the other side, which even makes it more likely that you're not going to get the ball back, which they didn't and they lost. You've got to go for it. You have to. We were talking about Madden a minute ago. If I'm playing Madden, it's a horrible example, but go with me here. When I'm playing Madden and I got 2-12 on the clock, I need this or else I'm in trouble because the other team could get it back. They could run the clock out, get a couple first downs, maybe even just one first down, run the clock out, ball game, done. I'm going for it, especially if Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback. So that's the part where it's Matt LaFleur's fault. Here's the part where it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. This play right here, I'm going to show it to you. You already know what's coming. I got a couple minutes to get this in. We're going to do it because it's on my mind. This play right here. What's it going to be on third and goal? Why do you not run that in? Why do you not run that in? One of the things that, you know, we praise Aaron Rodgers so much for and make GOAT conversations about him for is because he is such an athletic quarterback. And he can run. He can move. That's something Brady that Brady can't do. He can pass and he can move. Why are you not running that in? Listen. Maybe he just again. I'm not. I'm not Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he just didn't. Maybe he was just so focused on his receivers that he had no idea that, that he had that much of a gap and a chunk of air to work with. Maybe he would have. But if he did see that and still didn't take it and tried to force a pass to his receiver, that ain't good. And that's the part of it where it's look at this. I want you guys to look at this. This is how much space he had. Look at look at the complete right side of your screen. You got you got two players, one one Packer, one Buccaneer out there in the back corner that are kind of going at it. You got a couple of guys right behind Rodgers, but I think he could outrun them. I just think that if he runs all the way into the corner and dives and go for it and dives in, he gets it. I really think he gets it. That's the part where it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. You can't let that happen. You, especially if you can run. I mean, if you're Braden, you can't run, or that you still might go for it. But you have to attack on that the same way that Matt. And again, maybe Rodgers didn't see it. So at that point, it's like whatever. I mean, I get not much you can do because you were just so dialed in over here that you didn't see that over there. But if you saw that and you opted not to do it. In my opinion, it's equivalent to uh, Cam Newton not jumping on that fumble in the Super Bowl against the Broncos five years ago. It's equivalent to that, kind of, sort of. Not kind of, sort of. It's equivalent to that. If you did see that much space and you decided to stay back and and force a pass, you have to. you got to run that in. And we, I think we mostly all know that. So let me get to some comments here uh, before we wrap up. Yep, Spartan Barton says, run that in for a touchdown. 100% agree. Uh, Rodgers was given running lanes all game long. Perhaps. I don't, I don't remember. I just remember that play specifically. Now, granted, I think the theme of that game was 
the missed opportunities because they were missed. I mean, so many drop balls for the Buccaneers. Uh, I remember that one, that first one early, that rookie receiver that just went, it went through his hands. It was a beautiful pass uh, by Brady down the field. It would have put him into the red zone and that would have given them a 14, nothing lead if they were to score on that. Uh, But yeah, missed opportunities on both sides. And to me, it was just the battle of who had the least missed opportunities, essentially. Uh, Mahomes is going to have a field day running against that defense. I think he could. Uh, I I think at the end of the day, what's going to happen is it's going to be a matter of what defense shows up. Two really good offensive teams. I think the Chiefs are a little better. but I think it's going to be a matter of which defense shows up the most. That's who's going to win the Super Bowl. So we're going to get into that more. I want to get into these conversations. I just I went so long on the Duke-Coach uh, K talk that I went way longer on that than I wanted to. I wanted to get a little more NFL in today since it's such a hot topic right now. Uh, but we'll get, we got plenty of time. we got two weeks till the Super Bowl. We will get into that more on Thursday at 11 a.m. when we come back. Uh, really appreciate all of you listening. Uh, Fournette and number 13 had, yeah, like I said, a lot of drop passes for the Buccaneers. I mean, we all saw that. So again, it was just a battle of the missed opportunities, I think. So uh, yeah, 11 a.m. Thursday. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Appreciate Spartan Barton in the comments. I want to get more of you into the comments so we can interact live here on air. Um, This was a fun show. I appreciate everybody tuning in, uh, all our podcast listeners. Uh, appreciate you guys after, you know, we'll have, have that posted here in just a little bit for our podcast listeners. And then obviously we'll have it, uh, recorded in here on Twitch. Uh, appreciate all of you who watch this after the fact recorded, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, appreciate our sponsor, American betting experts, appreciate Chris Landry for making all this possible for us. Uh, and until Thursday at 11 AM, hope you guys have a good, uh, rest of your week. I'm your host, Will Dalton, AKA Wilburn Gold. We'll see you next time right here on ACC Tailgate.